So welcome to this week's edition of the Retech Podcast. My guest this week is April Sobral. Now, April is CEO and founder of Retail U, um, served as a senior executive for over 25 years, leading senior uh, sales operations on three continents, including the UK, USA and Canada, working for brands such as Apple, Starbucks and Gap. Now, in April 2018, April decided to take all of her expertise and experience and founded RetailU.ca, an online on-demand leadership development portal. Now, April coaches, speaks, and facilitates sessions on leadership, specifically the power of positive leadership. And in April 2023, April was named as one of the top retail influencers by Rethink Retail, the global media organization. Now, April is often asked for her perspective on retail stores, trends, and the power of leadership, which is what we are going to touch on today. So, April, welcome. Thank you so much. That was a big intro. I feel like I should know this person. <laughs> no, no, no they, there you go. It's um, as with all of uh, my guests, I have a look around, you know, go to Google, LinkedIn, and um, it's impressive. I have to say, it's impressive. So, you know, sit tall. So, before we get into what you're doing at the minute um, and maybe how you got into Retail You, I want to go way back when because I'm fascinated. Young April sat at school peering out of the window what was the intended career what did you actually want to do I actually started going to school to do interior design and okay. <laughs> completely different than what I actually ended up in and and so was that you actually went down the route did you train in interior design and actually start down that path before pivoting I did. So, you know, I'm from the UK and grew up, actually grew up in a, an antique shop. My mum was a retailer, so that oh. was pretty cool. And then went down the road of, you know, she didn't want me to work in retail, obviously, mm. and sent me to school to do this. And then yeah, went to school to do architecture and then just ended up getting kicked out of home at 17, not being a bit of, um, you know, bad teenager, I want to say back then. And I had to get a job in a retail store. So that's really how I started. I got my first job in a retail store at 17 because I had to pay to live and then just stuck with it, really. Didn't really think of it as a career, but it just ended up being one after three decades, So, which is fantastic. Yeah, that, that, that's quite the temporary career three decades later. So mm. so what was the moment? And we'll come on to what, the, the, what you do at the minute and what Retail You is. But what was the journey? So you were in retail, gradually getting promotions, more success. Was yeah. there always this, I need to do my own thing in the background? Just give me a few steps along the way. And then how, of course, did Retail You come about? No, it was never thinking about doing my own thing. Like, honestly, I was just a single mom and just working hard in the retail stores. And I had really good bosses and I worked for really good brands. Like I was working in the UK when Starbucks opened, when Gap was expanding. So I had really great opportunities, I would say. And I just kept getting patted on the shoulder and asked to like go and do more projects. And so my retail career just kept elevating. And I really didn't think of it as a career until I started to do multi-site, which is when I moved from the UK to US. And then US, I moved to Canada with Banana Republic. Again, like one of those on the shoulder, like, do you want to come and help us do a project? So I don't think for the first 10 years, I was really thinking of it as a career, honestly. Um, everybody would be like, what do you do? And I didn't want to tell them. I'm like, oh, I just work in a retail shop. <laughs> you know, I didn't feel super proud of it. But when I started becoming multi-site, that started to change because obviously I started earning more money. I had more responsibility. It was more business leadership and, you know, 
leading larger teams. So that was really cool. And just being in amazing organizations at those times that they were established, but they were growing in other countries. So it was very entrepreneurial as much as I had, you know, the resources to do things. Um, so that was just really cool. And then how I ended up doing my own thing, I got packaged out of an executive role. Oh, really? Okay. That's basically what happened. And so when that happened, I was being recruited for other roles. And I remember meeting with Sephora Canada and literally having this moment where I was like, do I turn down this job to run Sephora Canada or do I like bet on myself? And so I bet on myself and I just felt like there was so many retailers that I had worked in that had bad leadership or didn't have leadership development. And I had saw the impact of like when I had made changes in a manager in the store or a manager running 10 stores or a regional director managing 60 stores, the impact of the results. And so I felt really compelled to create something that was going to provide retailers with those soft skill training that you don't really get given. Like you get given merchandising training, how to do a visual presentation, how to change a window, how to operationally, you know, accept goods or like do a POS, but you don't really get trained on how to manage people. And so I just felt it was time. And I feel like timing's really good because I feel like now there's so many new managers in retailers that need that training because most of us just were kind of good at it and got moved up the chain or were really good at driving results and selling. Mm-hmm. So got moved up the chain. But how do you really manage and lead a team? Like how do you deal with all the people issues that you have when you're running it, running a store, right? Or a district or an or a organization. So uh, yeah. it, actually, I'm smiling here because um, so I started as a graduate intake at Homebase when it was owned by Sainsbury's way back when, and then went through a number of retailers. But I think my promotions were generally because I was less bad at managing teams than other people. So you're right, there was never any training. Um, and, um, you know, and it was just you were given a clipboard and in many cases told to follow it. And certainly when I went to work for a big German discount retailer as they launched in the UK, um, that was all still run from Germany in a very German way. And it was just, yeah, you're right, that those soft skills were not there at all. So, yeah, com- completely. And you're right. It's it's fast moving, isn't it? So talk to me about the business now. You know, for those that don't know you and the company, how would you describe what you do as a business and why should retailers maybe take note of what you do? Yeah, so what we do is we train and facilitate positive leadership skills. So about three years ago, I wrote a book called The Positive Effect, right? And the positive effect is literally like the positive effect of leadership and how to be a positive leader to get those positive results. So we turned that book after being asked by so many people I know into a workshop. And so currently what I'm doing is I'm going into store manager conferences, you know, retailers get all their leaders together and it's coming back now after the pandemic because everybody wants to get them together. It's new talent in the buildings. And so I'm going in and I'm training out that book in workshops, which is really cool. So Victoria's Secrets, Jimmy Choo just hired me to go in and basically train all of their leaders, these skills, like how to be a positive leader, how to listen, how to communicate, how to coach, how to think positively, how to create that positive environment, because that transfers onto the customer experience, right? Like 
wholeheartedly. And then they just bring on the Retail You courses as ongoing learning because it's like a subscription model on demand online, which is all of my knowledge. So there's like 240 video lessons. It's, wow. it's a, a lot of content. There's two years of content on there. And it is the only online on demand training for multi-site leaders. Like in all of my years of experience, multi-site leaders are the ones that get left behind. And they're the ones that were like, when you work operationally inside a retailer, you're like, yeah, we should train, create a training course for them. But we never did because like, you just never have the time. You're dealing with so many other things. And so I finally created one for that level because there isn't that training, like how to have purposeful store visits, how to have engaging conference calls, how to uh, train and develop your leaders through the, you know, reporting KPIs, all of that kind of stuff. And so that's the online portion that they kind of roll out afterwards for ongoing learning so that they don't have to create it. Because when I ran 250 stores in Canada, my team was so proud when I went to do store visits, mm. look at all the stuff we've created to train our teams. And I was like, oh my God, after like, you know, a hundred stores, you see all these different things and you're like, there's no consistency. Mm. So there's no consistency of like what they're learning, what they're, what they're talking about with their teams. And so this creates that consistency of leadership language, which helps them um, meet expectations of the organization really, because otherwise everybody's doing their own thing. And it's kind of like, how do you measure their results, right? So that's what we're currently doing. And, and you're right. I mean, it was, your training was obviously you know, overlooked within retail. I mean, it, it was a, a dusty manual on the shelf. You, know, you might have the induction program and then that was it, wasn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, there really was nothing at all i mean do you think do you think retailers on the whole understand how important it is now or is it is it still are you still pushing uphill a little bit do you feel pushing uphill a little bit still because budgets get cut right so some of some some retailers are like yeah we want to do this this year and all of a sudden q1 happens and like "Mm, budget got cut and i'm like really do you know the people that are actually helping you meet your budgets are the ones that you should be investing in? But what where they spend their money is on marketing and product, right? Which is important, by the way. Marketing product's important. And I think in the last five years, last decade, people were spending money on Omni. So like money was going into tech. When I grew up in retail, online didn't exist. So the money was going into the people. And that's what helped me become a vice president because I had that for the first 10 to 12 years of my career. And so, no, I don't think they get it. I think some people do, good for the ones that are bringing it back. But it's confusing for operational leaders to make decisions on where they spend their money and where the biggest ROI is now because there's so much tech now in retail, right? So if you go to the NRF or any shop or any big shows, It's just a plethora of tech and it becomes kind of confusing. And it's also expensive. Tech is expensive, right? When you're actually thinking about budgets. And yes, we need tech. We need better communication. We need better ways to like, um, you know, manage product assortment and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you ask the people in the stores what they need and what they want to do a better job. Generally, it's the manager saying, I don't know how to have this conversation with somebody on my team that's not performing. And so it doesn't matter what kind of tech you put in there. If you're not helping that person have that conversation and knowing how to do it, then the results are never going to change. I mean, retail is probably the ultimate people business, isn't it, at the end of the day? So um, it makes me smile when you say January comes and budgets have cut. You must be the same. I've worked in retail organizations that have made more profit than ever before in their history and they still cut budgets in January 
and I've worked for retailers that have had their worst trading results in 50 years and they cut the budget. It's just a retail thing. It's just just what the industry does every January. So, yeah, I always take those kind of it's January. We've cut the budgets with a pinch of salt. I think it's just a retail thing. It's just 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 the way it is. Just So, look, you've got people taking the courses. What kind of feedback are you getting from those that are, that are doing the courses? And, you know, is there any benefits that retailers are, are actually seeing, do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So David's Bridal is a good example. Like they've had their team, they've taken their top talent managers through the courses for the last couple of years and they continue to renew and use it with their team. And they said that they see better results in their stores, retention of the team in the stores where those managers are taking the courses along, along with the multi-site. Um, so that's absolutely happening. And then people are getting pipelined and promoted okay. and not just promoted, but successfully promoted and running their own shop, right? Because we can promote anybody that's a great salesperson, but they're going to fail once they get a team of 10 people, five people. So they're seeing much better sales and retention in their teams. Mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe for those that aren't offering their colleagues training, what, what would you say to them? And you can hold up the testimonials, but you know, you, you bump into somebody in the elevator that's not offering colleagues training, you pin them up against the side, press hold on the, you know, what, what, what do you say to them? You know, other like, than slap you, them. <laughs> other than slap them. Do you want your customers to have a great experience in your stores? Like that's really what it comes down to. If your customers, do you want your customers to have a good experience? Like I'm going floating around Europe right now. Um, just took a couple of weeks off the US and like I've been in a lot of retailers in the last couple of weeks just you know in and out of different brands that I haven't seen before because you know I'm based in the US um, and some stores have got it right and some stores have got it wrong and I know from running stores that the store that's not doing well is because the person that runs that box is not making their team feel important probably recognition's not there probably coaching's not there the schedule's wrong there's probably a lot of things, you know, this if you work in retail, there's a lot of things going on. And I put it down to the person in charge of the box, right? Like they create that in their store. So if you're not training your team, do you want your customers to have a good experience? Do you want to make sales? Like really? <laughs> uh, it must be something you find it so frustrating. So um, the same brand can have a completely different experience on two stores 10 miles apart. Yeah, I certainly have driven past the first iteration of a brand to go to the next one because I know I'm going to get a better experience and you only go to the first one. And then when you see them talking about, oh, I'm not sure this site's going to last or closing down, it's like, it's not, you know, kind of saw it's that not, one coming. It's, it's not really rocket science. It's mm -hmm. like just train people um, how to talk to people, how to manage people and the operations as well, right? But here's the thing, right? Like, with a team, when they work for somebody, they feel really motivated by that person or not. Like there's three things I always say that every employee wants. They want to feel like their manager cares about them, which takes skill, how you talk, how you listen. Their manager, you can trust them, right? Like the leading by example. And then can they help me be better at my job? Three things. And if you can answer, yet, those employees can answer yes, then nine times out of 10, they're going to do 10% more than what you're paying them to do. And that's when the magic happens in a store, right? Like a hundred percent, because that's 10% discretionary effort that you just can't pay for. And people leave companies because of the person they work for. 
I've read thousands of exit interviews in my time as a vice president of like so many stores and people quit people. They don't usually quit brands. So again, that's why training is just so important. People quit people. You're right. That's it, isn't it? It's absolutely it. That nails on the head. So look, looking ahead to 2023 and beyond, what, what next for retail you and maybe more importantly, what next for you personally, April? What, what, what have you and the brand got on the horizon? Yeah, I'm really excited. I've got a new book coming out. <laughs> um, and it's because like when I wrote The Positive Effect and then started teaching positive leadership, everybody was like, well, can you tell us more about the second pillar? Because in The Positive Effect, there's three pillars. One, the first one is how to create a place where people feel valued and cared for and, you know, inclusivity and no judgment, no bias, which requires skill in a leader the second one was how to be more positive how to think more positively how to how your mindset really shapes your reality and then the third one is teach which is all about coaching the second one whenever I trained that out we were literally in L'Oreal Pro Lab um teaching out all the stylists on that second pillar everybody's like well how do I think more positively I've been through so much in the last couple of years I just keep thinking negatively and I was like okay I just need to put it in a book so actually the set the next book that's coming out is all about the seven steps to hold an incurable positive mindset which is relevant to leadership or anybody right now because we've been through such a tough time so that's coming out um soon actually in the next week and then um just continuing to like you know advocate for retail employees I think I really think pay needs to change I think benefits need to change I think the way that people have been measured on success and performance needs to change like comp sales they're not all comparison right so like all of that needs to change so I'm always an advocate for what's happening in the stores to people in the stores and I know it's tough because when sales aren't there Payroll is one of the biggest things that we have to manage in terms of labor and cost. But I think we can get creative with the ways that we do manage that and have new processes in place to, to make retail a place where you want to come and work. Because let's face it, mm. like so many people have left in the last couple of years. And like, how, how do we get people back to working in a store? Bricks and mortar is not dead. Like, I've literally walked around Lisbon today and I was like, everybody's walking around with bags and shopping. And even in Barcelona a couple of days ago where the Zara was packed and I was like, so, you know, it's not dead. So I'm a big advocate for like focusing on what's happening in the store and how do we create that environment and that career for people to, to have a, a good time and, you know, make the store experience come back to life. I think you're right. You're people looking for an experience on the, uh, and I think retailers need to, adapt sometimes people want to get in and out as quickly as possible and make a purchase another time people want the experience and there's nothing more frustrating than being dragged into an experience when you just want to make a purchase and go out and conversely if you want to deliberate if it just feels like you're being pushed through and out the other side that's frustrating as well so yeah I'm totally with you but that's training that's store layout that's design um, you know some of the new stores that have got extra opportunities coffee shops go fast go slow I think you know you you go there and before you know it extra purchases have gone in you know it, it is it's fantastic isn't it you know, I, I love a physical store as well yeah and I love Zara because I have always been a fan of Zara I love their price point I love their design I love 
their model. I don't love that they don't have service. Like if I want an experience, there's other brands that I go to for experience, but I can always find something there. So I always go to them in different countries and like different cities, right? To compare the the assortments, always a bit different. And I had the experience in Barcelona where the self-checkout was really working. Like it was literally self-checkout throughout the whole store. And it was like really relaxing. It was a nice experience. Everybody was in line, people were helping. And then I go, why can't they get that right in the US? I like literally videotaped it. I was like, I need to call somebody in the US because I'm like, every time I go into a Zara in the US, the self-checkout is like, it's terrible. It's like in the back, in the wrong place in the store from a design standpoint, from a service standpoint. And then the technology is just always not working. It's really weird. And I was like, but I just had this amazing experience. So it's so interesting to me, like you said, how you can have like the same brand, but like different experiences everywhere. So that's going to be a never an ongoing always mission to try and like, how do you create consistency? And I just remember that from having 250 stores, how do you create consistency, right? Training, leadership, culture. All yeah. of that stuff. I, I love the Zara experience where, you know, so my boys are nine and 11 and, you know, they like to pick stuff in there. And you know, often if it's not on the shelf, the guy or girl can just bring up the handheld. Yep, no problem at all. Order it. And you think, wow, great use of tech. Then you go around the corner and join the huge queue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, okay. So, you know, where's where's the mobile checkout? Where's the, the you know, the self-pay? So, uh Good. You keep persevering with Zara as well. So uh, maybe you can steer them on the right path. Not, not that you could really say they're not doing a good job based on their uh, results at the minute, but they're, they're doing it. They just, I don't know, they do a good job. Their stores are packed, you yeah. know, like, and I'm a big believer in resale and like the trend on resale continuing to grow from a sustainability standpoint and just you know, platforms like Poshmark, Facebook Marketplace, all of those are like, that to me is the fastest growing retail segment because everybody's selling their closet now online. Like you, you can never be broke. You just open up a Poshmark account and just put your clothes online. And you're like, you got a business, right? But there's something to be said for Zara. Their, their stores are just always packed. They're just, they're just always, I love going into them because I'm like, how does, why are they so successful? And it really comes back to their trends. I think that their fashion sense and their trends and their designers you just get it right every season and the shopping experience i hate going in the stores when it's on sale like never shop them but the way that they are merchandised it makes everything work together and like it's so simple but it works you know yeah and the, and the different ranges in different countries to to drive i don't know what percentage of international visitors they pick up but certainly that oh we're in a different country let's see what this zara's got opposed to the one at home or whatever so but you imagine how successful they would be if they listened to you april i mean <laughs> really they just need to roll out retail you training programs and bring me in in the us like seriously they do because they need help uh, it's one of the last couple of years it's been kind of sad to see the decline in the store experience and people leaving and i don't know what's going on but i'm literally standing in stores in the us where people are having conversations in front of me at cash desk saying, oh, I've worked here eight years. I'm like leaving the company. And I'm like, God, that's really sad. You know? And when I ask them why it always comes back to a leadership issue, always nine times out of 10. There you go. More, more footage for that phone of yours. I yeah. also get the sense there might be a third book. You mentioned there was three pillars in that first book. Maybe, maybe there's a, there's a third book on your horizon and then seven pillars in the second book. That'll need six further books to explain that. So you're <laughs> going to be a busy guy. So look, you know, retail's had a, a tough time over 
the last few years. And as you know, we've we've said people are leaving the industry. What's your perspective on the future of physical retail? Are you excited? Are you still concerned about it? Where where do you sit on this one? No, I'm so excited about it. I'm not concerned. Like I've been in it for three decades and I've seen so many shifts and changes. Um, but my 17-year-old son, well, he would say, Oh, I want to go down to the store and pick up my shoes. Like he's not shopping online. Like I just I'm so excited. I'm excited to see what technology is going to do. I'm excited to see the new generation of leaders coming in, right? Like what they expect, probably what they're asking for. I'm excited to see new brands coming into the market, like direct to consumer now are opening stores. Um, so that's always cool. Like, you know, there'll be big ones that like go under, but there'll be other ones that show up and create a new experience. And I think that's the exciting thing about retail. It's like no day's ever the same. That's why I loved it and like still love it. And I'm excited about what's happening in it. I, I think I think you're right. And, you know, I, I referenced my nine and 11 year old, my two boys. They hate shopping online. They, they like stuff. But online is terrible because it's not immediate that everything else they're used to is immediate. So they, yeah, every weekend you've got, you know, nine, 11 year old boys asking to go, you know, are we going to the shopping center? Are we going to the shopping mall or the, the out of town? Because they can look there and then and it's immediate and they can come away. They have no problem with the drive. They can get fed when they're there. They can you know, badge a mummy and daddy for football cards, which they can get immediately to open. So the immediacy, the range, the opportunity, the browsing. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I, I think that like, you know, online sales um, in the US are still around what? I think when I did the research on it the other day, because I was writing an article, was around 17%, right, of total retail sales. So, you know, could it get to 25? Sure. Like, can it get to 30? Sure. But like, that's still a big chunk of sales that are coming from bricks and mortar. So, and I don't think it's like one has to beat the other. I think it's about having a full shopping experience. Lululemon do it really, really well in the US where they have the full experience, like full circular experience from like online order, pick up, buy and store I think they've they've invested very well in technology and I think you know even now they have the mirror right which I have which I freaking love that thing <laughs> like but it's like the whole experience so I think it's just about how do you make that experience seamless to everybody is going to be what what's going to make people win or just know your know your customer like honestly just know your customer what happened to like customer roundtables and surveys and all those things that used to happen I don't know. I think there's a lot of people making decisions that don't actually listen to the customer or don't talk to the stores enough. So I'm excited, yeah. excited about retail. Sit, just, just sit there and plan. Um, April, I, I could sit and talk to you for hours. I think uh, fascinating uh, to get your insight. Um, I wish you every success with the launch of the second book. Uh, I wish you every success with writing the subsequent iterations and all of the training courses that come. If you need any help to uh, to badger Zara, particularly in the US, then I'll be your wingman on that one for sure uh, and tell them that they need to listen to you. Um, but for now, it's been fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to be my guest. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet in person somewhere around the world in a retail store sometime soon. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we will.